Volume 6, Issue 255, The Order, 1886. You can play along with Volume 6. The entire schedule up and to and including Issue 300 can be found on Kane and Rince website. But for those of you looking into the near future, the next five issues we will be covering will be Undertale, The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword, They Breathe, The Last Corpse, and Chibi Robo, Plug Into Adventure. Head to canerince.com for articles, features, reviews and links to our forum, Facebook page and YouTube channel. If you enjoy what we do, there are a number of ways which you can help support us. We have a Patreon, but there's no content hidden behind paywalls or anything along those lines. Everything that we produce will still be free and available to all. However, if you do believe that the many hours of podcasts we produce for your listening pleasure are worth something financial in return, you can now donate $1 or more if you wish per month to help us keep doing what we keep doing. If you prefer to get something tangible in return for your hard-earned cash, check out our shop where you can support the podcast by purchasing cane and rinse t-shirts, bags. Each nets us a couple of quid, and that can be found at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash cane and rinse. Please also check out our video games music podcast, Sound of Play. If you would kindly review, rate, subscribe to both of our podcasts on either iTunes, Podcast, Stitch Radio, or TuneIn, uh, that would be very, very helpful. So, joining me to talk about The Order 1886 tonight is Jay Taylor. Hello. Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. And Leah Haydu. Hey there. The Order, right. So, um, a game developed by Ready at Dawn, which is a studio composed mostly of members from Naughty Dog and Blizzard Entertainment, primarily known for working on the God of War spin-off games. Uh, we have Chains Olympus on the PSP, Ghost of Sparta on the PSP, they did uh, a God of War Origins collection on the PS3 as well. Uh, also of note, uh, spin-off game Jack and Daxter uh, on the PSP as well called Daxter. I played that one. It's pretty good. And lastly, an absolutely lovely port of Akami on the Nintendo Wii in 2008. The game was published by Sony Computer Entertainment. It was a PlayStation 4 exclusive released on the 20th of February 2015. The directors were Dana Jan... And Rue Wurrasaraya. There you go. Yeah, the writer was Kirk Ellis and Rue Wurrasaraya as well. Uh, The music was composed by Jason Graves, whose works include Dead Space, Alpha Protocol, the Tomb Raider re-releasey thing in 2013, Until Dawn, Evolve, and Far Cry Primal. That's not a bad body of work. Plus Mm -hmm. he's done a lot of films as well, I noticed. Mm. Um, BG Charts has the sales of around 2 million digital not included, Pretty strong, I'd say. Two million. Yeah, uh, it's a exclusive title. Especially for a title. new IP, it's not yeah, bad at all. Twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. relatively good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know with our modern day status whether yeah, two million really. is good or not. But yeah, two million it is where it's it sits. Uh, the reviews at time at the time were frankly mixed, uh, receiving strong criticism regarding <sighs> the game's length, story, gameplay, replay value, uh, leaving with a score of just sixty-two percent on game rankings based on sixty-six reviews and sixty-three percent out of one hundred, or sixty-three out of one hundred on Metacritic based on ninety-four reviews. Um, and so you might be wondering why. In fact, if this game got relatively, you know, a, a fair bit of criticism, would we be covering it on Kane and Rince? Well, I will pass you over to our histories, and Jay is the person that picked this one out of the bag as one that we would cover on the show this uh, this year. So, Jay, our histories of the game, I'm going to start with you. Uh, why did I want to do this game? Because I actually enjoyed it. So, they're kind of laying that out right, right at the start. 
But um, I think it's an interesting game. You know, no matter like it's it's got flaws, but I think it's worthy of a conversation. So yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, how I came into the game or where I came. I mean, I'd been interested in this game from the moment I saw the announcement trailer because it was like, you know, it, it seemed quite interesting. Uh, the setting, you know, seemed different to everything else that was kind of floating around at the time. I'd had this fascination with the game. I'd actually pretty much watched the entirety of the game being streamed through the PlayStation, you know, the uh, PlayStation Live feature. So I'd mm -hmm. watched people playing this before I'd actually got to play it. In fact, I'd watched somebody do an entire playthrough. Again, still wanted to play it because I liked what I saw. The fact that I sat there for several hours and watched this person play, thought, yeah, this is kind of cool. I'm enjoying it. Um, and then I was actually given a copy of this game by uh, a friend of mine, or friend of the you know community member and, and pal, uh, Mike Leddy. He he had mm. the, he had the, he bought the game. He said he asked me if I wanted to borrow it, and then when. Um, I was I was going to send it in back, and he he said I could keep it. So, you know, I played through it again, <laughs> as you would. <laughs> um, and whether or not that sort of impacted on my enjoyment because it was a, a gift as well, um, I, I difficult to say. You know, I think th there's a certain appreciation with stuff when you know a it's a gift, and when you've been looking forward to something and it hasn't cost you any money, it's even better. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's where I came into it, so. Leah? You are not alone, Jay. I like it too. So um, I, I do acknowledge that it's not it's not a perfect game. It's not a great game. I mm. think when I actually bought a copy, I paid something like $20 for it. So I, I think that, again, probably did adjust my expectations. But I actually played the order for the first time at a Eurogamer. And I, I suppose it would have been in, it must have been Eurogamer 2015. 14 because the game came out in 2015 yeah so it would have been uh late in the year in 2014 and um i remember that there was a kind of sony enclosure yeah, it was that right had stations and, yeah and Dawn, wasn't it yeah yes exactly and you had to get two. tickets <laughs> yeah you had to get tickets to go into this because the line was insane and you could only go in and play one of them and i think <laughs> the line might have been shortest for the order because I was I was definitely interested in everything that was there, but I didn't want to wait in that line multiple times. So you didn't I want probably... to wait in the Bloodborne line to be particular. Yeah, no, oh no, I did not. Um, but I I, I kind of wanted to get in to see uh, Until Dawn, but I I was also interested in the order, so I went ahead and played uh, a little bit of that, and uh, I I thought it was. Uh, an interesting premise at the time. Uh, I don't remember much about that initial demo other than I, I'm pretty sure it was relatively close to what eventually ended up being released as the final product. Yeah, it's the bit where you get the Fermite rifle, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And um, I did not have a PS4 at the time. I didn't get one until um, either very early last year or very late the year before. I think it was very late the year before. And I got a copy of the order pretty close to when I got my PS4, uh, just because it was a, a fairly cheap game and something that I, I had been looking forward to for a little while. So uh, I, I enjoyed it then. Um, and I have, uh, have done kind of a, a quick... A quick and easy replay um and yeah i i do agree that it has some issues but uh for for what it is i i think that it 
maybe has gotten a little bit of flack that it didn't necessarily deserve completely. That's fine. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I I was really interested in it from the uh, initial trailer that came out that um, just the four of them in the um, carriage going through and, you know, mm. the atmosphere just looked incredible and the... Um, I was really interested in the the weapon design. You know, it looked all new, steampunky, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it really did stick out to me. And I was uh, at the time a huge, well, uh, huge is pushing it, uh, a, a fan <laughs> of Ready at Dawn. Um, I think that they have the that uh, they made the best uh, God of War games out of the series. Um, I really, really liked Chains of Olympus and. Uh, goes to Sparta. So um, when I saw that their name was on it, um, I was really interested. So I was a day one buy, and I played through it twice in a row, uh, pretty swiftly, and um, played through it again uh, just this last week. So yeah, on that point, it's, it's you know, Ready at Dawn, primarily a PSP developer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, like like you, Sean, you know, I saw the the E3 kind of 2013 sizzle. Real trailer, yeah. um, you know, excited new IP, look, you know, generally different. Um, mm-hmm. I played the same demo that uh, Leo would have played in Eurogamer <laughs> that year, um, mm. and it, yeah, it without doubt it looked spectacular. But it's very hard to gauge anything from there. And then um, I played, uh, oh, would have been start of last year now. Um, a bit of the game, Carl uh, Moon came down, uh, stayed here. We threw it on and um my legacy of that is that i tried to play it twice and fell asleep in the first half hour twice <laughs> um, here i am hosted a podcast <laughs> a year later but um so yeah my i wasn't particularly yeah I, it was one of those okay well yeah it's a it's a lot of um a lot of kind of cutscenes opening um and just it wasn't clearly in the mood for it and uh but yeah but decided to to be on the show host the show um so jay had the the chance to talk about it so um recently been for it again the last couple of weeks um played for it one and a half times and, and seen probably what i need to see um so yeah and th- i mean there was talk at the time obviously that it was going to be a playstation 4 launch game um it clearly mm-hmm. missed that date um by quite some margin um but it's yeah that's to be expected. You know, Sony wanted to show stuff that people Especially wanted to see. This yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to hold that against it. So, yeah. um, you know, I need to issue a spoiler one. We will talk about the plot aspects of this game. It is quite a plot-heavy game. Um, so you have been warned. Spoiler warning. Um, controversy. Uh, there was a fair bit around this game. Like I say, it was meant to be a launch title. It missed that. Um, it got a little bit of flack for that in in kind of the, you know, the hype train by you know the other side, who <laughs> the people that were just like ha. Ah. But um, right. primarily, the the controversy around, and I and I do remember this at the time, was around the game's length. Um, so before mm. the game's release, a full length video playthrough of the game leaked with a duration of about five hours. Mm. Uh, as, as you'd imagine, a full-price single-player-only title, uh, concerns are raised around the value of, of the game. Such was the anger of the internet, where a Soraya felt they had to issue a statement defending the game's length, which reads, for people that are interested, I hope people who do like these kind of games, games with short length, do play them. But I also want to be in an industry where me, as a gamer, I'm given the choice to do just that. I've played games that have lasted two hours that were better than games I've played for 16 that's the reality of it. Games lengths for me is so relative to quality. It's just like a movie. Just because a movie is three hours long doesn't make it better than a movie that is shorter. 
So, yes. I I agree with that, but I at at the same time it's a different kind of experience than a movie sure. to me. Yeah. I, it it just it with a game <laughs> and and shooters oftentimes are are guilty of this. Well, I say guilty. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but they shooters are notorious for often having very short campaigns. But then you see that there is this added proposition for mm-hmm. all of the multiplayer that you can get into. In this case, there is no multiplayer. And I'm not saying that there should have been. In fact, I'm glad there wasn't because I hate it when multiplayer <laughs> is shoehorned into sure, a game yeah. for no reason at all. Now, I do think that this game would have been much better if it had been co-op, but uh, that's that's another rant entirely. <laughs> um, but a movie, while they have gotten very expensive, is still, you know, $10 or however much it is for a movie mm-hmm. ticket these days. $60 for something that you're expecting to keep you entertained for longer than that can yeah. I, I i definitely think that that can feel disappointing if you're expecting something that is this full-fledged story and right. you only get five hours out of it now i'm not saying that 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 it's incorrect that a game has yeah. to be longer to be better but i can understand the frustration particularly for people who may not get as many opportunities to pick up games and, and yeah. might mm. you know need to consider what they're buying very carefully before they mm. do yeah, I think I also think I agree with that, and and that replay value kind of can mm-hmm. play into um, how much you would value a game versus its price. Like as a sixty dollar game, uh, not to you know jump too far ahead, but I, I do enjoy this game, but I I don't think it has much replay value. So mm-hmm. for it to be so short and to be a full price title, I can definitely mm-hmm. see um, why people were burned or how that would affect your overall opinion. As much as it maybe is a kind of unfair. Um, Sometimes you just can't, kind of can't avoid it. Yeah, I think we'll we'll cover some of the aspects which you know will fledge out the argument for and against um, this particular question. But I mean, I'm always hesitant to to jump on the back of a, a something for costing too much, and that's not to yeah. say they could release it five hundred pounds and it you know it's it's all cool, like <laughs> right. it's a great game. But if this if this was an absolute stellar masterpiece of a game, and all the hopes and dreams that they thought this game would turn out into turned to be mm-hmm. the case, and we're sitting here going it was a ten out of ten experience, I don't think mm-hmm. the sixty dollar sixty pound price tag would have been uh, you know a contentious issue. Sure. I think it missed the mark in some areas, and yeah, we will mm-hmm. talk about repay value, um, yeah. you know the the lack of features that maybe it has, and I would argue. Uh, from the outset that it just it it didn't justify uh, as a full release price tag but mm. good god it looks spectacular and i assume it yeah. costs money <laughs> to make a game that mm-hmm. looks this good That's, and yep. you know Absolutely. people don't like making stuff that um, yeah will, doesn't make a profit so i think that the flack in which this particular game got and maybe this applies to other games that get a lot of a, um negativity through the mm-hmm. internet is is there's a problem with the way that the internet kind of coalesces this stuff of course Mm -hmm. because when you look at like metacritic the user reviews like it's got 536 positive 205 mixed and 192 negative which compared to the uh critics reviews where you've got 30 positive 53 mixed and 11 negative like that implies that people who've actually just regular people who played it took a lot more from the experience than perhaps Mm. the critics would have you believe that you know i'm I'm also going to argue, I, I saw another quote um, from one of the developers talking about that, like, yes, you can complete this game in five hours. Yeah. 
if you are just running everywhere, if you are just playing mm. on easy, if you are just mm-hmm. you can't skip yeah. the scenes, but you know, you know, bowling forwards as fast as possible. Sure, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's easy to be in that time. But yeah, my my experience it was it took me around seven to eight hours on my first mm. time through. I, I was looking at a lot of things, you know trying to find the mm-hmm. collectibles and stuff. I think anecdotally you could probably spend, you know, the best part of 10 to 12 hours if you were doing everything and looking at the scenery. Um, mm. So I, I also don't think it, it was a particularly fair justification or argument at this game. There have been hundreds of games of recent memory that have yeah. come out at the six hours and at full price. And I don't, I don't think in 2015, um, this was the first to be a relatively kind of brisk single player experience. Right, yeah. I would argue, no. of course, a lot bolstered with repay value and multiplayer um, mm-hmm. because they felt they needed to. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it's you know when I when someone says yeah if, for the furore that I felt on the internet at the time, I would have expected this game to be like a two to three hour experience and that's sixty dollars. <laughs> that was the anger of the internet at that yeah. present point, and it, that's just not the case. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about this uh, particular aspect as we go through. Mm. Um, so I want to do a quick uh, plot synopsis for those of you that haven't actually played the game but still want to listen along and have a general feeling of what we're actually talking about. So the Order 1886 is set in an alternative history London where an old order the knights keep the world safe from werewolves. In, a game, in the game's history around the 8th century, the majority of humans feared the werewolves and war broke out. Despite the humans outnumbering the werewolves, their animal strength gave them the upper hand in centuries of conflict. Humanity found new hope in King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Through a mysterious turn of fate, the Knights discover Blackwater, a liquid that significantly extends their lifetimes and gives them remarkable healing abilities. Despite this new advantage, the werewolves continue to win the battle after battle until the Industrial Revolution turns the tides and the Order get a bunch of new fancy cool weapons. You can t- <laughs> you take the role of Sir Galahad, the leader of a small group of knights, and discover more than you bargained for, with the Order maybe taking a bigger role in the disappearance of civilians than first meets the eye. We explore and battle through recognisable locations such as Westminster, London Underground, Whitechapel, and Blackwater Docks. I take it you guys, I'm Lear and Sean, do you recognise the Blackwater Docks, Whitechapel? <laughs> Not so much. I've heard the <laughs> um, words Whitechapel before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would, uh, I, <laughs> I've probably got a better, um, a better recognition of many of those places <laughs> than most Americans, I would say. But even I'm not, you know, I'm sadly not actually British. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, like I, I lived in London for a decade, and I didn't recognize. All but one place in this. The only thing that I thought was really well done was the tube station. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. that's because I used to – so there's one particular station, Mornington Crescent, which is near um, Camden. Um, that still has a lot of its old Victorian kind of decor and tiling and, you know, wooden features, like, you mm. know, the stairwell, tight stairwells and stuff like that. It's still there in that station. And when you go down into the underground in this game, that stuff was spot on. Like I'm mm-hmm. looking at this thinking, wow, that's, you know, the, the pattern of the tiling and stuff, the, the, you know, the red and the white, all that kind of really, you know, I mean, I, I assume they visited stations or had at least photographic sure, stuff yeah. to go by, mm-hmm. but it's like that stuff I was really enamored with when I was looking at it. So before we talk in depth about the plot, I want to talk arguably about the star of the show and that's the Alders visual design. Uh, We're going to begin with a couple of pieces of correspondence from our forum just to mix things up. 
Lowest form of whip said the game looks great graphically, and I really mean great in all caps. Aside from the fact that they letterboxed it for performance reasons or cinematic purposes, the visuals are spectacular and definitely create an incredible atmosphere. Tordinio said, one aspect of the game that really did blow me away were the graphics, which might not sound too impressive when, with most AAA games having great graphics nowadays, but I can't overstate how good this game looks. Be it the lighting, the physics, or the textures, it really is impressive. As a result, this is probably the best looking game I've ever played. And Stan Shao said, The first game I owned for the PS4, the order came bundled with the console. I had little to say about the perfunctory gameplay or story, but it's one of the most atmospheric games I've ever played. With a very well designed, with a very well defined and consistent sense of place. My most enduring memories have nothing to do with the werewolves or the Fermite rifle. What gripped me was simply soaking up the world. Walking through the steamy, grimy slums in the first hour of the game was the moment that justified the console's upgrade. For me, it's atmospherically the equal of The Last of Us in capturing an environment and making it appear both prosaic and fascinating. I felt there was a real world beyond every window and every locked door and I took my time devouring every shop front and alleyway, feeling like Grey truly belonged in the city. Whether or not the sequel is ever made, I will look forward to the next Ready at Dawn single-player release. So, some pretty high praise there. I'm sure the mm. um, Last of Us comment probably pricked a few ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done, Stan Shell there. So, there is no denying, The Order 1886 is a masterpiece in visual design. It's just incredibly beautiful, um, incredibly talented artists um, to get, you know, what clearly was, you know, off off photographs and onto the screen. Um, Mm -hmm. A photorealistic is bounded around a lot. I've heard it mentioned a number of times on the Cane Rinse podcast as well. And I've actually been one of the few people to kind of jump on that and say things aren't photorealistic until you kind of watch a film then it's photorealistic. Well, I'd, yeah. I'd argue that even films aren't photorealistic yeah, to a well, lot of extent. Yeah, they shot different uh, speeds. Well, you know, you, like every, you watch a film now and, you know, they, they use colour grading, colour manipulation yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So what is photorealism these days? You know, it's like, I think it's this, 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 um, this un, unrealistic uh, benchmark that people always uh, attribute to stuff which i just feel we don't need things don't need to well, be photorealistic. i would argue with like Tatino said as well that you know most triple a games nowadays look incredible you know, mm, yeah we are at that stage where we are it, you know a, we expect mm-hmm. our triple a games to look as good as they look yeah. but there I, I whether it be the lighting um or the high-res textures they must be using in in the character models. Um, We'll talk about the kind of performance animation that kind of links it all together in a second. But yeah, just just it it must be down to down to the lighting. I mean, the power of the PlayStation Four is obviously recognised, and and it's you know it it is a powerful beast. But you know, even beyond the capabilities of that, this feels like a high-end PC title kicking out a a super high Mm -hmm. resolution with all the bells and whistles Mm. um, being thrown at the screen. One thing I will say is that um, if you're not judging by photorealism, something that I kind of have started to do is to kind of note how badly something gives me kind of the uncanny valley effect. Mm. Uh, And this, I I mean, there's, 
it's not perfect by any means. There are, particularly in some of the faces, the detail is really good, but the expressions aren't always on. But mm. I, I do think that they do a remarkably good job of keeping it out of that particular that particular animation trope or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, I, I didn't get that feeling very often from this. And that's pretty high praise, I think. Yeah, it's, it's how it's all tied together. Um, it's, you know, the cutscenes leading into uh, the gameplay, the, the seamless, you know, the way that it does that. You know, the seamless kind of splice. And we've all been here before where we're like, oh, I just, I thought that was a cutscene. I hadn't realized I could, I could play now because it, it just moves into that. <laughs> but everything is kept mm -hmm. in engine. Um, the performance capture is, you know, absolutely of the highest order. So, you know, um, we're talking, you know, uncharted quality levels here. You know, it's it's or even more so than uncharted because that's still kind of got that kind of almost comic-y, booky facial tone on on occasions. Mm. I think this has a kind of more grimly darker lip um, feel into it, which maybe plays a little bit more into it. But yeah, really, be it the animation in the faces, be it the animation of the you know of the characters themselves, yeah. and then the interaction of the world, they, they really feel like they they have a sense of place in that environment. A comparison that I have not really heard very often, and I haven't actually played this game, so I, hopefully somebody else can kind of chime in here, but. I, I was actually listening to the Bloodborne podcast today, and um, it kind of has a similar feel to me. It's like a cleaner Bloodborne, and I don't mean clean like like the animation is is mm -hmm. cleaner or anything like that. I mean literally cleaner, like there isn't blood all over everything. <laughs> but it, it kind of has a similar feeling of place to me, almost. Um, I, I have watched quite a lot of Bloodborne, and uh, that that kind of... Th that stuck with me as being kind of a similar time and place type of thing. And I, I don't think that was intentional necessarily, but it, that's kind of a, a conclusion that I draw. So, but, but as I say, I haven't played it. So I, if anybody else has, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. No? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about four years behind everybody's yeah. uh, any, any new too. releases at this point. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 catching up, and I listened to the Bloodborne show today, and I thought, oh, you know, that actually does look really similar, kind of in a way. So, but yeah, Stanshaw talked a little bit about the, the shop windows and and alike, and I'd really found myself um, not rushing for this game, and I and I did the same thing. I I would go go into new areas, you know, the, the markets stalls mm. and, and look at the you know the detail that they managed to put in just you know the the butcher's market stall and seeing how they kind of and well drawn a pig uh a half butchered pig in in, in that and the kind of mm. the bones and bits sticking through mm. like mm. somebody had been given probably a week to create that pig um equally looking through the shop uh windows where you could see you know almost you, know, where you could see through one end of the shop window out the other uh, and still see that the marketplace happening um, beyond mm. there and you could uh, see detail inside the shop mm. window um, even to the point where I was walking down uh, in in that same alley um, looking at stuff inside those windows in puddles like the, the reflections in this game are incredible mm -hmm. um, they, they, and, and once again I think it's it's a lot down to the lighting mm. um, yeah um, it has I think it's too easy to call it steampunk because I, I don't really know what steampunk means anymore because there is so many variations of steampunk now it's but mm -hmm. it's not in the traditional sense of you know big gears and cogs etc but it, it definitely has that more 
dressy up steampunk feel with the uh, the weapons feel you know mm. slightly absolutely odd yeah. you know they they the familiarity to them but they, they you know they don't feel entirely off what we would know them traditionally now um you know the attire it feels very much of of maybe the you know that that era the 1880s I've got to I've got to just but, interject there I loved the outfits that mm-hmm. the um, yeah. the knights wear on this I think if ever Absolutely. there was an outfit that is so ripe for cosplay yeah. assuming you're good enough yeah. to even attempt to recreate those outfits because they're so <laughs> intricate like yeah. the detailing on their costumes is in I I mean I I, I mean yeah, that is the one thing that's because you spend the entire game looking at the back of one of them. That it's just like <laughs> right. you know, I love the way the material flaps in the wind. Now I know this mm. is kind of you know you could say that this is just superfluous detailing. You know, it's not the game and stuff, but it, it draws you in. I drew me in, and like yeah. the you know the environmental detail and and stuff and and the beards. It's got the best yeah. beards <laughs> in the video. It does have game. some majestic <laughs> yeah. beards. And and you you can also tell how proud they are of how good this game looks too because one of the actual game mechanics is just look at this thing mm-hmm. look at how nice this thing is like he holds it up and you tilt left and right and he gets a, you know a new gun or a new or like a sack boy even the sack boy has such great detail like yeah. it's just you can tell yeah. that they're really and and uh, rightly so they're really proud of, of how good that game looks yeah now i, I spread an interview with with um I'm just going to call him Rue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the um, he was saying that they're actually a small, relatively small team compared to mm-hmm. other big AAA studios. They're like a quarter size. Sure. And so, yeah. you know, I know that Sony Santa Monica were involved yeah. as well. So they probably took a lot of the, you know, they shared mm-hmm. some of the sort of the workload, I guess. Sure. But, um, but, you know, it, like it, even now, two years down the line, you know, and then maybe this is, sort of just where we're at now with the game with this generation is that the games Mm -hmm. still look good two years down the line which you know i couldn't say for sure that it was the case in previous generations because you could the difference between you know in a couple of years was noticeable Mm -hmm. maybe that's Mm -hmm. becoming less and less now but this game still looks great it still looks like moments where you're just like wow and i don't know if it was it was to my mind, it was one of the first games that implemented photo mode. I can't think of mm. any other games before this. I don't, you know, I'm not saying it was the first one. I don't know, but it's it's yeah. one where photo mode was like, okay, I'm going to spend a bit of time messing around with this because this is kind <laughs> yeah. of, you know, kind of awesome. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the you know, the letterboxing, um, lack of mm. a better term? Mm. Um, yes, it's been used in in games previously. I, I can. You know, the famous one of, of recent, I think, is Evil Within. Um, yeah. Most people, I think, would would feel that that's because that game had pretty bad performance issues and it was yeah. a way of having less on screen and making it just run. Um, you know, and I would argue that mm. was more down to a, you know, a, a development choice rather than uh, mm-hmm. an aesthetic mm. choice. Artistic. Um, I think Virginia is a, a, a new recent one and um, the Bat- uh, Telltale's Batman recent as well. Um, mm. And I've seen a few other things, you know, just you know, looking around on, on YouTube, you know, a, a few games that mm. weren't even in, in that mode. I think um, I was watching a one on Bioshock Infinite that was being played in that kind of more, what, 235 mm. to one widescreen mode. And, and it really gave it a, a different look, a different feel. It's um, it's a very filmic yeah. way of doing it. And, and I know, you know, I, I've had arguments with people um about this very fact you know, like it's you know is it needed is is it you know we're already most of us i'd say 
90% of people now would be playing on a 16 to 9 widescreen TV. So the image is mm-hmm. already in widescreen. But I've, I mean, yeah. I'd argue, you know, things like, you know, Ben-Hur and their 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter presentations, you know, super wide mm-hmm. um, films like Heat and 235 to 1. Yeah, I, the, some of the, the films I've seen absolutely need that extra kind of wide feel of view and give them a real kind of more cinematic mm-hmm. presentation than if they were in a, a, a lesser a widescreen view. And yeah. it's not a, a common occurrence in games, but I have to say I really dug dug it in this game. I yeah. you know it has a has a film grain for sure, which is clearly added on top. Mm. Um I don't think mm-hmm. it's for a performance issue. Maybe it is. I mean the game looks spectacular and maybe it's a, a way of keeping that solid 30 frames per second feel to it. Obviously, the game doesn't need to be any faster than that. It's it's a fairly slow-paced game. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I, I actually, it was an aspect of the game that I, I really dug. So, uh, yeah. you guys? So, I'm going to put on my, my rant hat for a couple of seconds. Um, I personally... I will preface this by saying that I think everyone is entitled to their opinion. Um, <laughs> what however, size TV are you playing? <laughs> my <Honestly>. opinion. <laughs> no, my my opinion on this honestly is I it doesn't bother me at all. I don't. It's not that I can't see the difference, but I I suppose that I am one of those people uh, who doesn't really notice the difference unless it's pointed out to me. I guess my brain just adapts to it, and I I don't. It, it doesn't make a big difference to me. I do, however, think that complaining about this is silly. Uh, Personally, I think that, I I mean, again, if if that's something that really bothers you, I can't tell you not to be bothered by it. I can say that I don't understand what exactly you're expecting if those bars are taken away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know if you're expecting it to be just more graphics or if you think those are going to get filled in by extra art or if you just don't want the aspect ratio to be what it is i just to me that kind of comes across as complaining for the same reason that you're complaining if there's subtitles taking up space on your screen like i Mm. I don't it doesn't make sense to me uh but that's that's my rant for today yeah my only counter to that is is like so with the evil within um, as the same kind of uh, letterboxing. Mm-hmm. And with that game, I know like things were specifically happening around me that I could not see uh, right. because of mm-hmm. the up or down. Like, you know, if an enemy was attacking me from behind and it was giving me some kind of, you know, any kind of game will show you an indication mm-hmm. of where you're being attacked from if you can't see it in front of you. Um, I just, you know, there were plenty of times where I felt like that was making the game a little um, unfair. Okay. Um, if I can't see what's happening. But... That, in regards that, see, to that seems the order. logical. Yeah, it just it, yeah. It, if it's if it's actually affecting your gameplay, then that's one exactly. thing. But just to right. say, oh, there, my screen has black on it, that means I'm not getting right. everything no, I could be. No, that, yeah. But that's the and, difference and, where it's a design choice versus mm-hmm. a technical thing where they've done thereafter and it's still playing in mm-hmm. kind of an old sixteen to nine ratio and they've done it purely mm-hmm. get yeah. to game running. Um, the order yeah. is not that case. Like it, it was clearly designed with this aspect ratio from exactly, the very start, yeah. so you don't find yourself. You know, things click. It's almost like a four to three presentation back in the day with pan mm-hmm. and scan, not mm-hmm. seeing to left or right what was actually on the action. Yeah, in that case. And the, and the, and the only and the, the the counter here is that like with the order, and this is going to sound like negative, but it's not. Um, because there's just less gameplay in it. <laughs> um, it didn't really affect my uh, you know, enjoyment of the any kind of action sequence because. Rarely did an enemy ever get behind you or underneath yeah. or on top or something. So, I can't say that it 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 really bothered me either way with this. Like, I, this is somebody who 
like in the sort of 80s and 90s, I would have to rebuy films because they'd released a widescreen version on VHS. 100%. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and it's just because you want the full picture. Now, I understand that with a video game, it's most likely just a conceit in terms of like giving it a presentation. It wasn't actually shot on this, you know, ratio <laughs> yeah, exactly. and stuff. But it was like... But it, it didn't, like, I have to say, I didn't, it didn't once occur to me when I was playing it. It didn't once stick out. You know, I still watch films, and even now on Netflix, you can find plenty of films that have still got borders. Yeah. So I don't really, I don't, it just doesn't register. Simple as that. And, you know. How successful do you think they were with the transition of, of you know, story into gameplay? Um, by that, I mean, as I referred to earlier, um, the moment you actually do take control of your character or it's mm. not just a, mm. um, a QTE, it's you take over. Yeah. I really felt yeah. the transitions they made were spectacular. Um, yeah. yeah. It's uh, that the blended and, and clearly what, uh, you know, what they, they've gone for here is a cinematic presentation. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're front and center about that. They're, they're trying to blur the lines between games and mm-hmm. films. Um, you know, you could argue that they try to make more for film than a game in some respects, but sure, yeah. um, we'll get onto that soon. But yeah, you know, I really felt that it, you know, for what they set out, they really hit the nail on the head. How mm-hmm. be it, you know, walking, um, and and this is where some of the complaints will certainly come in. You know, the slow pace of walking, um, yeah. I felt was a conceit to well, people don't just run around like they're you know characters mm-hmm. kind of study, they interact, they you know mm-hmm. they view, they open doors slowly, they don't just barge through. And I felt they yeah. they played that stuff absolutely as straight face as they could, um, mm-hmm. with the you know the animation and the graphic te- technology that they had, and I think they nailed it pretty much spot on all the way throughout. I would argue that the pacing is is for me too slow, um, mm. but I I don't mm-hmm. that's not a complaint of what the game was trying to achieve because I think it, it hit that you know absolutely head on. I I'd, I'd use the word deliberate when on the yeah. you know, is rather than too slow, but it, I think you know it's clear that they wanted, uh, you know, the word cinematic. But I think it, mm-hmm. when I'm playing this, the thing that's occurring to me is the priority was their story, yeah, and you know their performances, and and because we haven't actually delved into the actual performances, I think this is right up there with yeah. the best of them in terms of the actors' performances. Mm. Like, Absolutely. there's something. Like that's what like every every time I play this, like I find myself watching these scenes just like as without you know there's no um, distinction between film and video game here. I just see performance and these guys mm-hmm. acting the socks off with these roles. Mm-hmm. You know, I I you know <clears throat> the way that the, like the Lord Chancellor sort of speaks to the to the uh, at the round table <laughs> stuff. It's like yeah. this is a perform. <laughs> this is like acting. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is like this. We're, we're way beyond like the old sort of cartoony voices and stuff. Now this mm-hmm. is like yeah, this is right. absolutely spot well. On. You know, just everything about it. I mean. I, I've got like Graham McTavish is now my favorite voice actor going around. <laughs> like I know you've got your Troy Bakers and your Nolan Norths, but when you look at Graham McTavish who plays um Percival in yeah. this, like this was Lacerovic in Uncharted Two. Yeah, this was exactly. Charlie Cutter, Cutter in, in, in yeah. Uncharted yeah. Three, you know, and I'm like <laughs> Wow, man! This is this like you know, and then you see him in live action films like The Hobbit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This guy's like he blows my mind. I absolutely love this guy. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out now to see what he's doing because, mm-hmm. you know, like you can listen. To, you watch his performance. I do not see 
Graham McTavish. I do no. not hear yeah. Graham McTavish. You know, I see mm-hmm. the character. I hear the character that he's playing yeah. at that point, and and that's I, that's what I love about these. And now, you know, this applies to all the games that this kind of stuff is now. This is what I really like. Performances in these games is just oh, it's mind blowing. And this mm-hmm. was one of those games. And I think when I watched the streaming uh, person playing this through. That was the thing that kept me interested, you know, watching the this this story as mm-hmm. it yeah. was, you know. Yes, the gameplay is kind of really basic um, mm-hmm. and perhaps even at times uninspired, but, you know, there's enough there that kept me, it, it keeps me reeling in when I'm, when I'm playing it. I have to say, um, all of this doesn't come at, uh, well, it comes at a cost. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the areas are very constricted, like the, the gameplay and environments yeah. itself. Um, it, it's a harken back to kind of more, you know, an older generation title. You know, there is some very, you know, they give the illusion of wide play areas, but they are very constricted gameplay corridors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, there's very little to interact with at all in mm-hmm. the environments. Yes, you can pick up individual things that they've placed for you to play with there, but equally you yeah. can shoot, you know, things on tables and they don't move. You know, it's that well this mm-hmm. this thing looks incredible and it will, yeah. that's all you need to do with it um and i so i think you know there there is cons- there had to be a conceit with making this game look as good as it did um absolutely and yeah. you know some of that is down to you know the combat which we'll talk about um and some of that's down to how much you can actually interact with the environment uh, and mm-hmm. some of that is the fact that you know a lot of the stuff is just presented to you um i always feel like cutscene in this game seems Slightly out of place because I find that, you know, the, the transition between cutscenes and gameplay is so seamless. It doesn't really feel like it's a yeah. cutscene. It just feels like the game is is taking control of what mm-hmm. my my actions are. And I, I can see why that would, in, you know, absolutely uh, incur the wrath of some people um, who <laughs> absolutely, course, yeah. if they could cut. You know, I, I know gamers, um, I won't name any names because I think it's a heinous crime where they just <laughs> literally tab through every single cutscene of a game. And, you know, for Ugh. them, it's all about the gameplay. It's mm. not about the cutscene. And I, and I would argue I that they probably don't need to play the order. This is in, not in the that. game this for them. Yeah. 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 No. No. Um, but, you, you're, you know, there there is no tabbing A or tabbing X to, to get out of the cutscenes because yeah. they're all just, you know, intermingled together with mm-hmm. the gameplay. You know, you can't, it, mm. it would make no sense to, to just jump forward from a scene. It just, yeah, it, yeah. it's not that type of game. Yeah, there's that there's that specific um moment where they're on the I think it's a blimp, right? The Agamemnon mm. yeah. and they're on the side of it and it's like it starts off with a cutscene of them, you know, talking about getting ready to rappel down it. And then like at that point I was just I saw I was watching the cutscene and then it was like <laughs> nothing's happening. I'm like, okay. So I just tapped the little analog stick and then they start moving. I was like, Oh my god, like that's one of the few <laughs> moments like you know, we've had lots of talks before about Games that we we thought blurred the line, like Uncharted or Last of Us, stuff like that, but which they do nail it too. But that specific sequence, where I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to be controlling this at all. Like they really did nail the the mm-hmm. blending. I actually had um kind of the opposite issue. I, I uh, hmm. sometimes I would be moving, you know, and, and it happened. Well, not not the opposite issue, as in I didn't think that that was effective because I definitely did. But like I would be mm-hmm. moving down a corridor or following somebody and not realize that the game had already taken control of my character. So I'd try to <laughs> right. stop and I'd keep moving. And it's like, oh, OK. I, I almost wonder not to 
tip my hand too much on what we're about to talk about with combat. Um, but I almost wonder if this wouldn't have been more effective as kind of a telltale style game mm, mm-hmm. with e- just cut out the combat yeah. completely or make it uh, make it a different type of don't try to make yeah. it a shooter because the, the <clears throat> acting is very, very good. And it looks so good that if you could just focus on that more and not have shooting mm-hmm. because you have to have shooting, I, I wonder yeah. if that would have made people like it more. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd I'd agree with that. I think yeah, I think it's like the shooting is it's perfunctionary, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like, totally it's, fine. It's okay. Thing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it but it's 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 really quite like you know you always feel like you're in a corridor mm-hmm. and they're yeah. at one end, you're at the other. Yeah. There's only yeah, like right. two yeah. sequences that seem to deviate from that. The moment where you get yeah. on top of the double decker bus on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And the sniping sequence later, where you're kind of looking at them from an angle, so there's a you've got a slightly different perspective with it, yeah. And mm-hmm. it feels a little, it feels different, and, and in a way, you know, that I feel the game could have benefited from more sequences like that that didn't feel mm-hmm. quite so <sighs> deliberate. It kind of made me think of like Gears of War, like you're going into this this arena, and it's like, oh hey, look, a bunch of chest high walls. Right. I bet yeah. I know what's going to happen here, if, except if without as good out shooting. The combat section of this game, you, you mean people already complained about the length of the game, so you'd be you know, stripping out a couple hours of. Um, well, it's it's oh, like not necess- of- like yeah, you couldn't do it with the game that it is. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. a case of like focus on what is what it is you want to do with this title. So you want to tell this. Yeah quite good story and it's not what i thought it was anyway but the, yeah. you know mm-hmm. interesting narrative mm-hmm. uh but the shooting stuff feels like not then, tacked on it makes sense within the game but what it's do you really... put in this place i mean at that that point you're asking it for it to be like a well, sherlock holmes mystery adventure where you maybe where, where you're well, maybe, picking up maybe, the things yeah. off the desk or the things that you need to be puzzling together yeah, maybe um, would have benefited. Yeah, maybe that's from what that. I want, so, actually. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or kind of give the the combat a completely different feel, rather than mm. it being like a cover based shooter. Try right, something yeah. different, like something like what a Telltale would do, where you know, I mean, perhaps similar. Now, this is really awkward because I actually don't like those sequences. But <laughs> hey, uh, quick quick time events should have been like cast into the sea as far as i'm concerned i i hate it. and i hated them yeah. within this game for a lot of reasons but it's yeah. like that that's um the instant fail state with that stuff was really yeah yeah like there was like at least give me a, a second chance with that you know like yeah. press a oh, oh sorry press x no you failed right push r2 R right. or something you know give me a second yeah. just don't let me fail immediately and i've got to restart because that's to their tedious. credit the restarts were very fast and right before yeah, the right. events yeah. which yeah. almost makes you wonder why they bothered at all if they're going to start you exactly. immediately before the that's... button press again but yeah I mean... there's, there's even that scenario in the in the sniper section well the mm-hmm. kind of stealth sniper section the, stealth right, the, section. Start, yeah. the oh, moment yeah. you get spotted it's like you you died Whoa, like, give me a chance to maybe get a second shot off. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, but but let's let's discuss the combat. You know, I I think we can all agree that The Order 1886 is a stunning looking game. There's Mm. conceits for it to to look this good, be it widescreen mode, be it um, the constricted gameplay environments. But what they present on the screen is nothing short of spectacular um, from a visual Mm. style anyway. so we'll lead into combat with a couple of pieces of correspondence from the forum. Uh, good shrews be said, the guns are satisfying and I have a weight to them, which is important for a shooter. I never felt the same with, say, Uncharted's weapons, where I always felt like I was watching a character animation versus filling the gunfire. Although many of these positives made for quite an interesting experience, there were constant niggling issues that stunted my enjoyment from blossoming to true affection for this game. 
Egregiously, the combat was a real bore. The first few combat sections were enjoyable because I liked firing the guns, but encounters never involved into immersive battles. The arenas where they took place were uninterested, and the combat was always cover, shoot, repeat, exchange. I thought the injection of lichens would flavour the combat with some needed variation, but this too fell quite flat. Normal lichens ran directly at you in a straight line and then scurried off behind something. Repeat. Elder lichen boss fights were primly dull QTE affairs, and the final encounter was yet another of these QTEs where I could not wait for it to be over so I could carry on with the story. Andrew Brown said, My expectations were elevated slightly when I examined the trophy list and noticed one of them referred to science weapons. Surely a <laughs> video game which features such a blunt cattery couldn't be so bad. The science weapons are the highlight of the, game, the gunplay, but the Fermite rifle and the Arc Lance are the only ones that feel truly special. Sending an Arc of Lightning across a battlefield and one-shotting a poor fool who gets in its way is both visually spectacular and deeply gratifying. The rest of the arsenal sadly consists of ordinary video game guns made special by the game's alleged setting of, the 18, of 1886, and this ends up being the theme that follows all the way through the Order 1886. And idea that sounds good in concept but which never carried through in its fullest potential so that's just two you know, two two opinions from the forum both mm-hmm. roughly mm-hmm. saying the same thing and mm-hmm. i don't think any of us here will disagree um yeah the combat is perfunctory i have mm-hmm. played a lot worse i have certainly played a lot better um it goes with the tried and tried and tested which is duck behind cover pop out mm-hmm. pop guys heads pop back undercover um yeah i don't need to explain any more than that because it worked i mean it worked at least it works i've played games where they've tried that and they failed um it works here um and i think some of the issues that that emerge are the the, it it is the lack of interesting weapons for as Mm. interesting as the setting is and um you meet tesla um Mm. Who you know creates the the art gun in particular and the thermite rifle, which are you know both interesting weapons. One fires lightning, the other fires a cloud of ah. Oh, now what is it? I guess it's like a, a chemical gunpowder. Yeah, like a chemical infusion that once yeah. once you've fired that towards that general direction, you can then light it with a, with a secondary fire of the gun, um, which causes either an explosion or sets people on fire. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. interesting weapons, and I, and I feel like it's a bit you know, churdish to say, oh, it needs better guns in, in this video game. <laughs> but because those two exist in there, it feels like there's a missed opportunity to have something that, sure, you know, yeah. the order, the secret society have technology that nobody else has. And yes, mm-hmm. there's a couple of mini game type items, such as like there's unbelievably a, you know, like a puzzle <laughs> game item, hmm. um, which is, you know, perfunctory for, to say the least. I will say that uh, I kind of like that uh, both of those weapons, the thermite rifle and the art gun, uh, they're kind of rare. You don't get them all yeah. the time. Uh, and that feels right. Like it doesn't if you were running around with an arc rifle the mm-hmm. entire time, I, I think it wouldn't feel as special. But it, it would have yeah. been nice been a to good s- unlockable, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that is like, true. You know, second playthrough, third playthrough. Here yeah. you go, have a, have a yeah. thermite rifle for the <laughs> that, entirety of the That actually would game. make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that sequence on the bridge. Um, where I think it's the second time you get to use the art gun, really the only yeah. time you get to use it more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, it really stood out to me because that moment is is right after um, Percival dies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Galahad's already like 
lost his mind. Yep. Or not lost his mind, but you know, he's, he's bloodthirsty. So yeah. he, he gets out on that bridge and it's just like, it's almost a power fantasy at that point. Cause like, like Andrew said, it's a one shot kill and they explode too. Like, <laughs> yeah, by, you know, parts of their body fall off and, and uh, that part was super fun. I thought. And so, yeah, the, I mean, there, there were moments within the sort of gunplay. Like for me, I like the, the shoots out with the red coats, with the army guys in the cellar, mm-hmm. you know, as you're escaping from the, uh, from the cell mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, yeah. because it's in this really enclosed space and, mm-hmm. you know, everything about that sort of like the claustrophobic nature of the combat, the fact that they're all shouting in these sort of like yeah. Cockney <laughs> accents and stuff like, <laughs> <"Get him!" laughs> it's just, you know, I like it. I, I just, and it's dark and it's quite atmospheric mm-hmm. you know and there's yeah. like muscle flashes going off everywhere and it's really quite visceral in a in a fight mm-hmm. i enjoyed that sequence i still do you know and like you say the the the, the fight on the bridge gets quite epic in parts and yeah. stuff but it's just yeah. you know and i like yeah there's a few standout moments but like you know like your first most of the time it's just kind of a little dull super and average I mean, yeah. yeah like and sometimes these weapons feel like right now you get to do this and you, you use it once but you kind of yeah i'm not really sold on it you know it's like you, you know mm-hmm. the shotgun that you get given or the, the rifle at the start when you've got a secondary like a stun shot that you use mm-hmm. to rescue yeah. a hostage at the very you know right. and it, it just like i get it that's almost like a tutorial section but that's sure, the only yeah. time i'll ever use that other thing because there's <laughs> never any other opportunity where it feels necessary to use it exactly like yeah. you can but it's like it feels pointless because all those other mm-hmm. guys you just meant to kill them so it's just yeah. uh, i yeah. don't know it, well i mean i i'm gonna go off on the rant um Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for as much as I, you know, I think this is a visual, you know, yeah. visual splendor of the game. I really, really felt disappointed by the way the game um, gave, you know, portrayed its combat. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a number of points. I mean, firstly, I would say the AI is pretty much awful. Um, sure, it's yeah. not great. <laughs> it, yeah. I, okay. Well, I'll, I'll start here. Like this, this feels entirely like a launch game. I mean, I know it never mm-hmm. made made it to launch, but this feels like you know I'm playing you know, and I liked Rome um, on the Xbox you know, mm-hmm. uh, on, yeah. on the Xbox One, but this just feels like that. It it feels like they put so much time and effort into making the game look as good as it does that they forgot mm-hmm. fundamentally that when yeah. they decided to make a game, and you know they yeah. did, and some you know we we had a free word review that was arguing this is not a game we didn't include it because guess what this is a game and they tried to make a game and i'm sorry they failed the the ai mm-hmm. in this i know if i say awful so it's I, not a game then no but the, the ai in this i don't want to say awful but it, it does nothing more yeah. than stick its head up stick its head down yeah. in the corner we've all played yeah. that a million times yeah but then mm-hmm. when they want some variation they'll send a shotgunner at you and sh- all shotguns <laughs> are basically as massive bullet sponges they run at you <laughs> firing their shotgun yeah. blasting at you if you're in the right area you might survive more than likely you'll probably <laughs> die and you'll rinse and repeat and it's not a fun yeah. gameplay experience it's just well mm-hmm. i need to put more bullets into the bullet sponge it's kind of a more of a nuisance like nobody's flanking nobody's communicating it's just mm-hmm. well there's 15 guys in this room that needs to go to zero to move on to this you know move on <laughs> to the interesting cuts right. that's happened around you yeah. so that's point one point two your companions are utter useless i i <laughs> yeah. was in a scenario where i was being pinned down and here's me saying that there is no <laughs> them flanking you but i was pinned down 
And I had this shotgunner coming at me, killing me. And I'm being shattered. Like, yeah, shotgunner. Well, that's fine. How about the three of you actually fire your weapons rather than just hiding Towards behind? Him. Like, I am an yeah. order. Well, apparently we're part of the order, but my order is basically I kill everyone and they, you know, mop up the bodies behind <laughs> me. I know it's small and it's complaint and it's kind of like I'm just ranting for the sake of ranting, but it's, you know. Well, you're not because I think games, like, um, yeah. you know, there was a reference between, you know, at times, this kind of has that kind of Gears of War feel where mm-hmm. you'd come into a room. You know, Uncharted does this. Legendary does mm-hmm. this. You come into the room. There's a number of boxes in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know what's going down. It's um, standard. My, my same complaint exists within Uncharted. It felt, you know, you always feel like, okay, well, this is just a method to get through. They, mm-hmm. they corrected that in, in later games, but that felt very early Uncharted days. And this, and this is where it feels and forms. Mm-hmm. But primarily... And good God, primarily, this is a game based around interesting concepts. Once again, primarily around werewolves. And, you know, we're the order. We've seen some stuff. You know, we talk (laughs) about seeing some stuff. Why and why do I spend 90% of the game killing guys that are just basically guards Mm -hmm. for a corrupt organization? Hmm. Like, fine i'll shoot some guards in the head i've done it a billion times before but i'm playing a game who's you know well when they were were first talking about you know its original release they were talking about you know taking down all these weird and wonderful different creatures that have come out the woodwork Mm -hmm. over the years and the order the order to protect the civilization and all we end up doing is is shooting a few guys in the head just basically get to see what our own civilization is doing it's a real missed opportunity and then on top of that when we finally do get go off against the werewolves they are some of the easiest fights in the game because they're on this they're ridiculous QTEs. yeah one yeah. they're qtes two they're all they ever do is run at you you have the opportunity yeah. to dive out the way and if you look they run back to the same place which they ran from mm-hmm. yeah even if you're on the floor like they're not going to attack you you run bullet sponge once they're on the floor you stick the knife in them job done die like it's yep. just those when when they're introduced in in, in the cutscenes, they're absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. You're oh my god, I want to have to fight this thing. But mm-hmm. in reality, they're just bullet sponge fights. Um, they don't reward the gameplay, the, the player of any kind of gameplay really whatsoever, other than the initial like, oh, this could be bad, and it doesn't turn out to be bad. And on top of that, the boss fights there are two, I guess two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are entirely exactly cute, and I I'm not even. I'm not going to rile against QTEs. I think they do have a place in video games. And I, I, when you preference you know, visuals over gameplay, sometimes QTEs can, desert, you know, can deliver that cinematic mm-hmm. experience, which at a given, any given time actually makes sense. Yeah. But to, to allow your, your two boss fights to be entirely made of QTEs that should mm-hmm. be these big battles with the weapons that you've, you've you know, cleaned over the, the course mm-hmm. of the game... It just seems like a, a big missed opportunity. And it was a point where yeah. you, you felt like maybe my back will be up against the wall. And it's and it's not, yes, you can die if you don't hit the QTs right. Big deal. So what? You just you know do it again. You, you know over, what the button yeah. press is going to be. Um, and I didn't know this before, but you know, actually doing some research, it turns out that both those boss battles are the exact same animation. <laughs> yeah, so they're 100% the same fight. 100%. <laughs> so from yeah. the one at the start of the game to the one at the end of the, end of the game, you have to do the exact same things. Yeah. Oh, good it's lord! Super, super lazy and super, super well, disappointed I, I, because no, I wanted I, I, to love it so much more than it, it turned out to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I 
be wary of saying lazy because like if you're making a game and you're under sort of budgetary constraints yeah. you know maybe it was just an unfortunate site you know maybe they had no choice but in in order to get the game out the door hit their yeah. targets they they had no other choice i don't know but there's you know but just i think lazy is a very sort of okay I would argue unnecessary yeah. more than lazy. Yeah. Like mm. if you're if that's mm. what you're going to do with those fights, then take them out. Like make it make it a make it a cutscene. Yeah, or, either yeah. a cutscene or I mean, there are some fights that are more chaotic. I don't know that they're necessarily mm. better, but I mean, there right, yeah. there are fights that feel more like boss fights than mm-hmm. than that. I mean, even, even though they're not technically boss fights. Um, it, yeah, I don't I don't know. I it, but even they could go the uncharted route, which is Yes, you know that you're in a, like an arena battle, but mm-hmm. you make the arena battle spectacular in some way. There's that that, mm-hmm. that one original mm-hmm. scene, that's the one that we played at Eurogame, where they're up in that kind of balcony and you're firing mm-hmm. down up into them, mm-hmm. you're blowing away their cover, um, and you're kind of pushing forward. You're under fire yourself, and you, you know, I like that stuff, and I think that stuff should have been implemented, you know, more. You know, they've created a beautiful world, and then yeah. you know, they've decided to add gunplay into it, and then they just don't. In my own opinion, they just don't make anything out of it. I'm not going to say yeah. that I didn't enjoy any of it, which I did. Mm. There was times when you know I was in a room full of people and I was going for the motions, and it felt as you know as like any game did. But just by even in its relatively you know brief time, it just felt like yeah. so many missed opportunities with what they could have achieved, and I think maybe people would have been a bit bit more easier on it. Um, mm. I know that I don't think it was their priority. And I, fair enough, you know, they created something that looks spectacular. But I think if it at, is, is at the, the cost of fairly bland gameplay, I think the fact they spent five years creating this, they maybe should have put a little bit more time into creating a more mm-hmm. interesting game around it. Mm. That's not to say that I didn't entirely, I didn't hate it entirely. But yeah, I, I, I wish for more. And I, uh, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. And I, I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. I do find the combat is the weakest part of the game, and and if they they should have, you know, they should have made it more interesting. I don't, yeah, precisely how you go about that. I don't, you know, I can't say for sure because everybody's mm-hmm. got a different take on what they enjoy. I actually want to say one thing really quickly about uh, about one of Tony's points, um, and, and that was about the uh, the AI your your partner AI. Um, yeah, I really, really, really wanted this game to be co op because you have yeah. a person with you for a lot of the game. Now, some of it you're by yeah. yourself, but more often than not, you have at least one person with you. Why yeah. could that person not have been another player? I think yeah. that would have made and- such a big difference. And and even the the reveal trailer that we talked about earlier, like that showed, it almost looked like a Left 4 Dead game mm-hmm. like yeah. setup where it was like all, it had all four of them at one time. They all had different weapons. They were all serving some kind of different purpose in the combat. Oh, that'd be really yeah, cool, so, Left 4 like, Dead, that, except yeah, in this world. Super, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's just something. Well, it does. Better. It does make you wonder if if. It, 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 and this happens a lot with games. I mean, announcement trailers often of course. deviate yeah. quite radically from the final product but when mm. you watch that trailer and you've got like Igraine sort of saying like you know 
what you know watch out werewolves and, yeah, and they're giving you yeah. quite clear like indicators to my mind when i'm watching that as a gamer you're thinking oh great so yeah. they're gonna tell you and you know <laughs> look out for this guy well, what's your left what's your right you yeah. know here's some ammo or whatever but right. <laughs> you know but it, um yeah and then you get none of that so it's just <laughs> but it, i think like yeah i kind of even if they implemented like a, a simple kind of command system within mm. the game so like yeah, you know or something like yeah just something where you could Spec like ups. if you got hit it could help you out or they would give you cover fire <laughs> yeah. or something you know just to but, give you that sense of interaction with it all also there's part of mm. me that that is frustrated you know they, they've taken five years to create this game fair enough a lot of games take a very long time and you know clearly a yeah. lot of effort has gone into it you know i'm, I'm not going to you know say that that wasn't the case but you know you're a single-player game. Fine. I'm all absolutely for that. So you've mm. cut out any multiplayer budget, any multiplayer team, good. Mm -hmm. Then make my single-player experience interesting. So yeah. don't just have short corridors with cover-based shooting. Have areas that I can slightly deviate off to one side, maybe go through a side of a building and come back out around the back of people. Not really possible. This maybe happens once or twice. Mm. make me maybe have a replay value to it because you'll play through this once i know jay that you've played this game for three times but i think most people experience is you'll play through this once there's nothing to come back to like there's there's nothing yeah, in no, that no, gameplay no. that makes you go, oh go back and play you know i want to tackle that in a slightly different way so it feels mm. like they they've put the entirety of their budget in creating something that looks spectacular and then forgot to put a gameplay element into it over the the longest period of time I don't think that's entirely true, of course, but it, if you're going to make a single-player game, then focus on making a single-player game that I might, if I spend 60 bucks, 60, 50 pounds mm. on, that I come back to and play three or four times and get my money's worth because there's areas that, you know, they just add a bit more, be it co-op play, be it just a different variety of weapons, be it a different route that you could take, maybe a different branch in storyline, just something that isn't well, just, think, yeah. oh, this is our script, this is our, you know, our arena that it will take you from one part of the script to the next, and we may be explaining something along the way. Just kind of talking about the price of the game. I mean, okay, if you'd bought this on launch and you were disappointed, I can, I can respect that, you know, because you know it is quite short, and and you know, if you if your money's tight, then yeah, I, I can appreciate that. But like these days, you can pick this game up for less than a tenner. No, I think I brought it actually in the sale on PlayStation Store for ten. So yeah, yeah. yeah so it was five like, bucks last week. On, mm -hmm. Exactly. So I'm thinking, like, if I paid that, then you know, it's it it's relative. How much you paid for the game slash how much your enjoyment you get is mm -hmm. an issue. But yeah, I don't think as it stands right now that that's a problem for this game in mm -hmm. terms of the cost of it. Like, given how cheap. I mean, I actually, I think this would be a great PlayStation Plus game. Because mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. you know, you put this on... on I'm surprised on, uh, it hasn't you know. been. Well, yeah, I'm surprised there's a lot of, uh, like, Sony sort of first... Yeah, well, I assume it's first party because it's, it like, you know... It's a so, second party, but it is their exclusive. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. I know we've talked um, about trophies recently where, you know, people have failed to, you know, uh, you know less than 10% of people have failed to complete the game. You get a trophy mm -hmm. towards the end of the game. Uh, I think that's around, like, 45%. So, clearly, you know, most people at the start yeah. of the game do actually Good see it through yeah. to the end, so... And that's yeah. probably higher than a lot of games. Yeah, I see it is. Yes, definitely. So let's move on to um, the plot of the game. Um, it it takes up a huge amount of, I would say, probably two thirds of the game um, telling its plot. So we'll get stuck into that. And once again, I want to dig into our foreign discussion. Um, Tudinho said, 
First off, the setting is really underutilised. The original trailer showed an ancient order of knights fighting werewolves in the streets of London during the 1800s. That in itself is a great premise, but the game barely uses it. We get a glimpse of the world, but it's not very well explained or detailed. You do get some optional items that flesh out the world a bit, but even then, it's not a lot to go on. And it's especially frustrating because the plot keeps introducing things to you that the characters find normal, but as but as the player, you barely get to know anything about. Like when the game drops that vampires also assist in this world. From all the promotion before the game came out, you could tell that the devs were really pushing this game as a cinematic experience. Saying that this game was movie worthy and that its story would matter. What they delivered, however, was an incredibly predictable bog-standard plot about a protagonist working for a corrupt order that's eventually betrayed uh, and then teams up with the rebels to take down the said order. The difference being, we don't really get any kind of conclusion here. Yes, so <laughs> there's a point to, to lead us from. Um, I'm going to agree, but instead of going off one of my own rants, you know, I, I, I want to hear from you guys. Um, mm. It's it's funny. Um, I you know, upon creating the show notes, that the hardest aspect of this game was actually, you know, pacing out what the plot was, um, mm. which seems ironic in the case that it it yeah. makes up two thirds <laughs> of the, the actual gameplay. Or well, no, maybe it makes so you play the game and whatnot. It's it's probably I don't know, half the game is is mm. you know, d- um, dedicated to the plot. So can someone please explain the plot to me? Because that's almost when I was putting this the, the notes together, and I couldn't really go tell you what's going on the plot i thought that was almost a more interesting thing to not add any here because i'd like Mm. you guys to tell me what actually happened in the order 1886 it's it's so hard to sort of put this down because however you try to explain it it sounds ridiculous well you've got the knights (laughs) of the round table and then you've got vampires and werewolves in a steampunk victorian england and it's just like what the hell (laughs) but it's like but i have to say that like and I've seen some of the criticisms, and, and some I agree with, some I just think, you know, whatever. But um, it always struck me that they were just trying to create, you know, that sense of a story, of a world that has taken place outside of the story. You know how, mm-hmm. like, Star Wars just sets you off in this world, in this galaxy far, far away where there's a <coughs> galactic war kicking off. It doesn't explain everything. It just, yeah, it's, there it is. Puts you right in there. Right, yeah. yeah. And I get the impression that that's what they wanted to do with this. Sure. You yeah. know, and it just feels like, you know, and there is things that you kind of pick up along the way, you know, when you hear there's a little conversation between Grayson and Lafayette in the, in the sort of the war room or the conference room whilst uh, the chancellor's talking. And he mentions that, you know, the, the legend is that the chancellor, uh, yeah, the Ch- Lord Chancellor w- w- fought alongside Arthur. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. a little, yeah, that's, and then Grayson says something like, yeah, that's that's the legend, that's the rumor, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's just this texture that sort of adds to this whole kind of mythology that's building up along the game. I, I think, sorry, go on. I find that stuff really interesting. Um, I, I kind of started looking into some of the, uh, the connections, the Arthurian stuff, mm-hmm. um, and it, it i thought that that was really cool and i i'm not sure that i necessarily wanted them to do more with those associations maybe i just wanted more yeah. to be happening that those associations could be slotted into uh, but mm. i when i started looking into some of that 
some of like the um the people whose names they have taken um and kind of how that all fits together uh it that i i thought that was kind of cool uh like for instance most of the people who whose names you actually get are <laughs> knights of the round table mm. um but some of them aren't like Igraine, yeah. for instance, was actually supposedly Arthur's mother. So you never mm. actually see huh. anybody who has taken Arthur's name because they kind right, of allude yeah. to, well, maybe he's still out there somewhere or maybe we don't even know. And if you you can kind of pick up some things. And I, I like this kind of storytelling where you can get more out of it if you want or if you know some or if you have some background, like mm. like we were just talking about how um, the, the kind of side conversation about oh how he's supposedly uh fought with arthur well if you kind of read into that implication a little bit if you know a little bit about arthurian legend they're basically saying he's lancelot so that mm. and mm. some of these people are so old you know they have survived for so yeah. many centuries mm. that you don't know whether they were these original knights mm -hmm. they could very well be because it th th what they kind of say is that they don't really die of old age what you see kind of in the um in the uh the funeral ceremony i guess if you want to call it that right, yeah. uh, is mm -hmm. that they say you know this can't keep you alive forever if something kills you then you're still going to die but i mean yeah. many of these people they're saying have been uh, have been alive for so long that mm -hmm. it, yeah. it's kind of hard to tell the difference at this point like it, it to me i kind of had a, a weird reaction to the the kind of almost romance they sort of try to shoehorn in between uh <laughs> between gray and isabel uh isabel right, sorry sure. uh, but i mean you don't know how old they are they could both be the same age for all we know it, it just it, it <laughs> yeah. because because of this of this black water that they're drinking which right. again is actually uh their own blood so um that that kind of I, I don't know if we want to talk about this here but um i will pose a question uh that maybe we can think about pose away are the order actually vampires? I like this idea. I think the what... See, I've always had this impression when mm -hmm. I played the game that they weren't ever going to explain everything in mm -hmm. this one title. It was... Yeah. To my mind, it was... This was... If it was successful, this would have been the start of a franchise that we would have seen, you know, plot development. Mm -hmm. Because there's lots of little threads that don't go anywhere or are teased you know like mm -hmm. uh the thing with lakshmi mm -hmm. uh and she mentions that a, f a fallen knight trained them or gave her the black blood and stuff like mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and it's yeah. like you know and and it's like you and you do see this character at one point he's one of the this this figure that push fishes him Personal out of the thames yeah. and stuff yeah and so mm -hmm. you get the impression that there's this there's a whole behind the scenes thing going on here that we're mm -hmm. just teasing at this point. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that, you know, you, that the, va if you're going to put vampires and werewolves in there, there has to be something there's, there's clearly um, a division between the, the, the order and the vampires and, and the I werewolves. And, and it's like the history of where that started from and what triggered that and where it came from. I 100% yeah. agree with you as well. Uh, and I, and I, and I think the the problem I have here is that this this definitely feels like the start of a trilogy. If mm -hmm. they had come out yeah. and said, "Look, mm. this is episode one of the trilogy," you know, expect more here. Then I think I'd probably be a little bit more lenient. But I, I'm a, I'm always a little annoyed at games that feel like, you know, before they come out or as they come out at the start of something, that they've earned the right to have a sequel. 
uh, right, only yeah. for them to you know, you know not succeed financially yeah. and then not get the sequel and i always and the way i'll describe this unfortunately the order for me if it was a bit more like star wars episode one than it does <laughs> the force awakens like it's <laughs> there's a lot of courtroom drama there's a lot of talking there's a lot of like mm-hmm. this is the organization and i'm not going to say it's not interesting because it, it is in its own way but i think when you're starting off like that like you you have the risk that if it, if, it, if it's not commercially successful or it might be the one of the things that it doesn't make it commercially successful because people get slightly kind of bored or turned off by the the more kind of political nature of what you're mm-hmm. producing and don't go straight in there something like the, the force awakens where it's like well this is also a hell of a ride whilst kind of learning about the history of um what i've mm-hmm. seen and i think unfortunately for me it just it falls in in the kind of ground where i found it interesting but I think as a first game in the title, they needed a bit more. And I think that comes mm. from the, the gameplay as well. I can absolutely tell you if there was to be a sequel, they would focus a lot on the kind of the battle between them and the werewolves, even the vampires. Mm. Like he sat there at the very end on top of the, uh, you know, very um, yeah. Assassin's Creed style looking over the city. <laughs> and you get the feeling like this has only just begun. And the moment right. <laughs> he jumps from there, he's probably going to be running down the streets, fighting the things that I've talked about, what he should be fighting in the game in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that then I can't be critical on, on what it delivers, yeah. which is, I think, yeah. a lackluster plot, which is ironic in considering that it, it is, you know, a huge amount of it is plot. That's not to mm. say, I mean, this this is the thing. And the thing that saves this game in its entirety for me is that the performances are great. Like yeah. the yeah. performances um, in particular from, you know, Grayson <clears throat> or Sir Galahad, the voice acting by Steve West in that is absolutely superb mm. absolutely mm. like one of my all-time favorite performances from there it's not what he's saying it's just the way it's delivered um i thought actually lady egrain was probably the worst of a bunch in that title she felt very much a shoehorned female character in the love interest they didn't really do anything with that other than her looking slightly surly every time that <laughs> uh, sir galahad did something that she wasn't quite approving of in fact she was the only character model i felt that was somewhat like they didn't want to do her hairstyle so they pulled it back <laughs> so mm. tight it well, was well i kind of i thought with with sort of isabel that there was the potential for an interesting sort of character arc how she sort of becomes his nemesis right or, yeah. you know and but that again doesn't ever develop beyond the threat if you will towards I, the end i but really there's... like the way that um also in a kind of mi5 james bond way like they've got separate names you've got grayson mm. also galahad like his name versus mm-hmm. his tag is part of the organization um and, you know some people refer to them that aren't you know within that organization some people yeah. refer to his code name that mm. are and it's I, I like that kind of like oh, i wonder where this place lies and, and clearly um you know the talk you know um was it the lord chancellor well you're you're given the title aren't you because we see it with the mm-hmm. marquee is mm-hmm. that you know when when mallory dies uh the marquee is name. given yeah. yeah his his title so it's like that they they become the knights or whatever so the the title of the the official title is passed on yeah mm-hmm. you but know it, to the, various there's there's nothing there that we haven't seen before and i think that's that's a shame yeah. so you know i'm <clears> thinking in particular that something like the, the lord chancellor who or was it Ang Augustus, um, where he's he's like, this is how the order works. Like, you can't yeah. change the order. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, well, this is how the order dies. So, you know, I need it. It's like, I've seen that plot mm-hmm. a thousand times and that's okay because 
I've seen it a thousand times, so I, I know where mm. we stand here. Um, you know, the the Lucan kind of transformation at the end, uh, I guess you can talk about the end for a second, his, his transformation of he's a werewolf actually was one of the few times I was like, okay, I didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> I was blind to that, which is probably like, there you go, I can see people go, really? But I, I actually, that's one of the few times I was like, okay, I, you know, I like the fact that he's turned into that. I was, you know, I was a little bit suspicious when we were on the mission. Um, and I also mm-hmm. liked, um, is it Lakashmi? Lakshmi. She's, I, I really liked her kind of, um, you know, slightly mm-hmm. more interesting art, a bit more than um, Lady Egrine. Um, mm. There's a nice scene in the, in the brothel. Uh, when mm. sort of um, between sort of Grace and when he's doing his own sort of investigation and stuff, and then they they mm. have that meeting, and then it's just like there's a real charged. It, I I got it anyway. I, I felt there was like a good you know a kind of charged atmosphere between them where he, neither trusted each other, but they yeah. they wanted to. Mm-hmm. They knew there was something bigger mm-hmm. out there. And it's I, a mutual I benefit, you know, yeah. yeah, in terms of the like performances, I thought, you know, I've often found myself sort of watching this thinking, you know, I'm watching cutscenes here, CG characters, and, and it's in a video game, but it's drawing me in mm-hmm. like some, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a good show should or a good mm-hmm. sort of performance and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, I think, unfortunately for me, it just, it needed to be something a little more. For what they presented, um, yeah. Mm. But the performances in the game really did, and it goes back to the gameplay a little bit, which is, you know, we're in a world they've set up the environments spectacularly. They've set up a yeah. story about werewolves, the order, the organization, about you know having to, you know, <laughs> uh, infiltrate the headquarters of their own. That right. stuff is intriguing. But they never just they just never put that little bit more on there to flesh it out into something more than just this kind of like political debate. And yeah, I think that's a missed opportunity. And it really feels like at the end of that game that he sat, you know, Grayson is sat there and it's like over the hill is the game that I want to play. <laughs> and right. it's really yeah, like yeah. a really odd feeling. Yeah. It's like if this works, then there's going to be a great story coming up and there's going to be some mm. great gameplay. Yeah. And it's like, but it. It didn't, but it's okay, and it's okay. To <laughs> yeah, think it's I mean, just okay, but it's so right. you know, so I, upsetting. I didn't quite get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do agree with that. I I think I've sat there at the end of the game several times, thinking whether you know, if you're not going to make another game, then give us a comic book or something, yeah. or write a novel <laughs> about it, because yeah. I really want to know like what you had in store for this stuff. Because yeah. I am intrigued by the setting, I am intrigued by the characters and their histories and. And the and the potential for what could have been is mm-hmm. like it teases you every time you play this game, and you kind of think, ah yeah. oh, man. And it does leave you with that sense of sort of like you know, sort of depressing disappointment because you know, I'm not saying that it should have been a hit because it clearly has flaws, like with yeah. its gameplay. And, and like Tadino said, you know, they have the werewolves and stuff. They should have been your focus of combat. Mm-hmm. And I know that this mm-hmm. has been raised in in other criticism where it's like you know you spend your time shooting like working class all the way <laughs> yeah. through the game and stuff and occasionally uh you know a werewolf right and, and so, so, a, yeah and and i would say like if this was going to be a trilogy you kind of i kind of do appreciate that the first third of it is all this more mm-hmm. of a human story with the little bits mm. of pieces of supernatural in there um but as you said, now that it certainly looks like this is just a one-off, um, 
it's it's just as you guys both said, it's just potential wasted. I do wonder yeah. how many seeds that they planted that they were going to do something with that mm. just because mm-hmm. I, I mean stuff like who is the lord chancellor really is he lancelot is right, he something yeah. else mm. what's up with mm-hmm. those scratches on Egraine's neck that they never talk about like it mm. there there are so yeah. many little things that they could go yeah. off on if they wanted to and i wonder how much they actually intended to i is there a design doc mm. somewhere for the next game in this series <laughs> i i just oh, yeah. i wonder how far it went yeah <laughs> Tune, yeah. tune in next week for Fan Fiction Corner at CanaanRinse.com. We're, we're only in 2015. Oh, no, we're in 2017. So we're, we're only two I years. Wish. I wish we were right. in 2015. <laughs> um, hey, that, that, I mean, uh, um, a good correspondent to the show, Blake Grizzly, he, I mean, he's written some really interesting stuff about, you know, mm. the links between this and what current situations. And, you know, we're not going to dive into that on the show to make it too political. But, yeah, it's a fascinating read. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you can go off and find it. If you go to Blake Critchley, his site, you'll, you'll see it on there. But, um, um, see, I, I really like the way that they kind of subverted history, you know, in the sense that they mm-hmm. had, you know, they took what was a real corporation like the East India Company, which, right, yeah. you know, is, and I, I, you know, I assume, I've always assumed people would have known if they were interested in, like, especially British history or whatever, you'd, you'd think you should kind of have at least some kind of idea of what this was. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and it, 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 you read the history of this, like, just read the Wikipedia page and it's fascinating. It's epic mm-hmm. as well. It's massive. Yeah. It's one of those really, you know, truly epic Wikipedia pages talking about the history of this business. And they kind of subverted it into the United India Company. And mm-hmm. I liked that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean... I would say for the for the people that don't know, I mean, essentially what the plot evolves around is that the United India Company, or as, as we find out, the order of partly involved in this, is they're boxing up vampires mm. um, mm-hmm. and sending them abroad. There's, I mean, there's political intrigue here that you could say that you know they're being used as a weapon, but they could also mm. be being used as a way to you know subvert the the will of the you know the underclass with um you know the power of the order. So it makes you feel like okay, well, you know, at the end of the game, that you're no longer a part of the order. You've chosen that as a you know, Grace chosen that as a mm-hmm. um a decision, a choice of his. So that are you going to bring down? Are you going to take personally take down the order? Um, you know a, a, what you feel is a, a noble organization that you've been you know running with. So there's some really, uh, and I like that idea that you you know the the, the big kind of secret service organization is actually involved in uh, trafficking of vampires. Um, well, to different yeah, parts I think well that's some, that's that is yeah. I, like I that think story. the see, I I think the order wasn't necessarily. I think the order was complicit. Like the Baron mm-hmm. knew that. Um, his his adopted son Alistair was a lycan, but he right, didn't sure. know the extent of his betrayal. Went. You know, he didn't yeah. know that he like he he doesn't seem to have any idea about Lord Hastings being a right. vampire yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it feels like you know he's just this kind of he, he's just this uh, sort of he's torn between what he knew what what his son was, but didn't have any sense of like the 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 big conspiracy mm-hmm. and whether as like. You know, Alistair was kind of just making sure that the order didn't get in the way. So, mm-hmm. it, like to me, the order isn't necessarily a corrupt organization. It's just, it's just Being blinded within. Yeah, exactly. it's just, yeah. it's just ignorant to the real threat from within yeah. and stuff. And and you know, and you kind of feel with with you know, at the end when Alistair's killed, 
that that's going to bring things to a crux. But you kind of right. feel, you know, and I thought you could get really interested and then the game ends. And, stops. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? Well, certainly but, at a crux as well because Igreen is your number one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hate like it. She's yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I still think that it's a possibility and I guess we'll never find out. It's still a possibility that someone within the order is actually complicit with the vampire thing, because uh, yeah, yeah. because I mean they are quite. I mean we don't we don't ever really find out what Blackwater is, other than yeah, that yeah. this is supposedly the Holy Grail and drinking from right, it sure, is. Yeah. But I mean when you think about it, they are replenishing these vials with their own blood, mm. as you see in the initiation right. ceremony. That's yeah. what they're doing now. Mm. So now they're literally drinking blood that essentially makes them almost immortal and heals their wounds <laughs> for them. Yeah. So mm. that sounds kind of vampire to vampiric, me yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know I, yeah. it's not full-on vampirism i mean they're not going out and attacking people for it but I, right, sure. there are some striking similarities there and well I, yeah. you get the impression don't you because yeah. the, the the fact that there are vampires and werewolves in this world mm-hmm. so the idea that somehow arthur when he when because it's never explained how mm-hmm. the black water came so you wonder if if the reason that these are like mortal enemies now yeah or immortal enemies <laughs> um is that you know, whatever Arthur found is that kind of, you know, somehow he, he found the secret yeah. of the vampire mm. blood or something or, or did something that, that that set these two parties, right, right. you know, head to head. And, yeah. and that's kind of interesting. But, you know, I don't Man, know. Man, this bums me out. There's so <laughs> yeah. much potential in this story. Well, uh, what I was trying to say yeah, earlier, this... I mean, it's, it's only two years after the release, but there's been no word at all from Sony uh, I mean, about a sequel. And, well... And really, at Dawn's been busy with other mm-hmm. stuff, like two I, other games, I think, at this yeah. point now. Yeah, I don't feel like totally lost with this. I think we, we live in an age now where there's crowdfunding, there's there's all sure, kinds yeah. of ways. There's episodic games left, right, mm-hmm. and center now. And I think there, there's other ways that we, we may. Yeah. We, yeah. Who, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stake, I'm not going to put money on this. I'm well, not going to stake anything down, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, uh, well, uh, that, that's the wrong fr- turn of phrase. If they did a Kickstarter, I'm, I'm, uh, I might be very well interested. I, but like, it's like, I might be able to shed a little bit of light on this. I, I do remember hmm. as part of my research, uh, I'm not I, the reason I haven't added. I can't remember who actually it's a quote from, but it was somebody within uh, Ready at Dawn that were bemoaning the fact that the order wasn't their own IP and that mm. it was mm. locked mm. away as Sony's, a Sony yeah. decision, um, whether it continued or not, and they were very much bemoaning the fact that. Well, they said they would never do that again. They would lock their own IP <laughs> as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, I mean, that's something I hear all the time from every company because yeah. everybody yeah. wants their right. own IP. Yeah. And um, where are they going to find that kind of money? Yeah. And, and like, once again, this this actually was on their own propriety engine. So mm. it seems a real waste that they've put so much effort. I mean, Sony may take uh, some of the assets or some of the engine and move it onto a different project and it, it may live on there. But if they really feel yeah. like the order, I mean, I think, you know, 2 million physical sales, that to me isn't a flop, but I don't know, yeah. you know, cost of game publishing, you know, all, all the stuff that goes into making a game, you know, I don't know whether, you know, they feel like a sequel will be uh, worthwhile, but the game absolutely sets itself up for a sequel, yeah. um, totally. even to the point of, you know, maybe ruining itself for a sequel to happen <laughs> in a kind of uh, ironic <laughs> yeah. way, but hey. It may just very well end up being one of those games that we never hear or see from again. But, yeah. I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I feel I've had some interesting 
mm-hmm. stuff from it. So I sure. don't look at this in a negative way at all. Um, mm-hmm. A number of my favorite games of all time have been seven out of 10 games. Mm. <laughs> that makes, but you know, the general populace have, have found it, you know, aspects of it they didn't like, and I've fallen in love with them for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not say that's necessarily me and the order, but you know, I can understand if if you fell in love with this, why that would be the case. Um, right, we're going to do a little bit of correspondence. Um, some of these posts were quite late on the forum, so they haven't made it into the you know, the body of the show, but still need to be read out. No, that sounds terrible, uh, but I still like, would like them to be read out. So, uh, Leah. Could you um, take the first one from Andrew Brown? Sure. Uh, I'm the wrong person to talk to about shooters. I don't get them. When I hear people complain about how X-Shooter forces walking, has predictable weapons, and poor shooting, I'm somewhat baffled because that describes the majority to me. There's something about my makeup which precludes me from appreciating the genre's nuances. So when I like a shooter, it's usually for reasons unrelated to its shooteriness, its themes, its characters, its plot, or anything at all it might do which sets itself apart from the pack. Ultimately, great shooters I tend to regard less well than popular consensus, but bad shooters I regard rather better. For this reason, in addition to only paying $15 for it and having sub-basement expectations after a year of critical drubbing, I came away from the Order 1886 with markedly more positive feelings than many others seem to have. I admire the social conscience that the Order 1886 brings to its narrative. It does what good science fiction should do, use its fantastic setting to tell a human story. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel that a corporation with the power of a nation clandestinely using a corrupt, militarized police force to grind a working-class movement behind their heel, driving said movement to rebellion and terrorism, is socially relevant. I wish I had the same admiration for the plot in general. It takes far too long to explain what exactly the Order actually is, leaving me guessing in the first half who these characters are. Are they the original Knights of the Round Table? Why do they refer to each other by multiple names? Are they code names? Is this some kind of a precursor to MI5, an order of knights turned secret police turned supernatural soldiers? These guesses turned out to be right on the money, and the mystery kept me playing just to find out what those answers were. But I can't help but feel that there was a more elegant way to communicate these ideas to the player. The characters fail to be compelling at all. Gracing suffers from a bad case of generic video game protagonist syndrome. The rest of the cast are a series of cliches. Isabeau is defined in the group only by her sex, and the Marquis de Lafayette by his interest in it. The Lord Chancellor and Sir Lucan are interesting, with sympathetic motivations for their villainy, but are driven into the background. Then there's questionable actions by these protagonists, especially especially Grayson. Sir Lucan is so transparently the mole, I judge Grayson severely for not seeing it, and I can't fathom his motivation for lying to Isabeau at all. It happens only to create unearned drama in the third act. All in all, it's an interesting setting with a politically charged story, told in a fractured way, starring uninteresting characters through an engine that does nothing special with a wearied video game genre. The Order 1886 is a paradox. It's an ambitious cover-based shooter defined by its lack of ambition. I can summarize its confusion simply. It's about an order engaged in a semi-clandestine war against supernatural forces in which I fight supernatural forces a half dozen times total. The rest of the experience is against perfectly ordinary humans. The Order 1886 is in a great game, but I can tell by looking at it that it could have been. I'd be fascinated but to hear the story about what happened that it, that led it to this listless mass of rote genre conventions. There was a point, I remember, where Grayson just wouldn't tell people what was going on what was going on <laughs> yeah and i just you're, uh, you're I mean, being sentenced to death tell them tell <laughs> yeah. them tell them i mean kind of it kind of makes sense because if he tells them it, it pulls the rug out from under 
everybody in the order, but at the same time, it would have helped to maybe at least tell Isabeau or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree um, with a lot of, of what's in there. Um, and, and we've said, yeah, we've said a lot of, of what, uh, came yeah. around in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's so much that could be good and it just kind of ends up being a mess in, in, mm-hmm. in many ways, not in all ways. I would, I would argue. Well, thank you, Andrew, for your post. Um, Jay, could you tackle Alex McKeel, please? Yeah, I just want to say that just at the end there where he says, against perfectly ordinary humans, they're referred to in the game as Bedlamites, which I love that name. <laughs> that I is think, really good. I, I, I'm, I would name my dog Bedlamite or something, <laughs> or a band or something. You know, There's got to be a band It's not a word you hear a lot of. And it's just got this real kind of air of old, like language about it. And I, 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 I don't know. I really like, yeah, just the useless aside there. But I'm a big <laughs> fan of the word. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Alex Maskell, yeah, uh, he says this game is a weird collection of interesting affect- affectations around a very conventional center. So I think we can clear the first part of this by saying that the shooting in, in the game is perfectly competent if uninspired, and the length, I thought, was perfect, with great pacing throughout. That said, the game may be too short if you're 15, have all the time in the world, and want games to be a big hole for you to dump hours of your life into. It's also a beautiful place to explore, full of dusky lamp-lit nights and towering marble architecture. Everything is rendered expressively and beautifully, making it a fantastic showcase for the PS4. Its plot is very conventional, but basically functional, with some interesting turns throughout, even if its mythology is very Van Helsingy. Its politics are somewhat weirder, being as the core conflict of the game is a stand-in for the East India Trading Company against the nascent socialist labour movement, euphemised as rebels, but their class politics are very open, a conflict you exist on both sides of. It's bizarre playing a game which, early on, has you fighting a completely righteous movement on the behalf of one of the most monstrous organisations ever to exist, although eventually this corrects once their mission becomes about vampires instead of the liberation of workers. I guess the vampires are a metaphor for colonial capitalism, sort of. Ultimately, I had a lot of junk food fun with the game, probably helped by the fact that I don't play very many third-person shooters, It was solidly designed, never wore out its welcome, and was genuinely aesthetically beautiful. I can't say I'll be going back to it, but it left me with a lot of goodwill, and I'm certainly looking forward to the next game from these developers. Some good points. Um, Mm -hmm. And lastly, from G Bragg. Uh, If you could read that, Sean. Sure. Genuine Bragg says... I live in Japan, and here the Order 1886 was released on physical media for the extremely low price of around 1,500 yen, which is around 10 pounds. I picked it up around two weeks after release, so it's possible that it released at full price and swiftly dropped, but regardless, it was very cheap, and this was definitely in the same month of release. This might have mitigated some of the disappointment I might have felt otherwise because of its short length, and I probably wouldn't have bothered otherwise. Reviews were abysmal. However, I'm a fan of cover-based shooters, so I thought... What do I have to lose? I actually loved it. The game's visual style bowled me over. Although the steampunk aesthetic might be a bit passe, there aren't many mega-budget games that have adopted it. There were also an excellent selection of mustaches on show, <laughs> something that is sorely lacking in AAA gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Although it's fairly straightforward as cover-based shooters go, I enjoy the genre, and it's probably the best-looking example of one of those games. Graphics aren't everything, but when the game looks this good, they're hard to ignore. It looks simply spectacular. The shooting mechanics might not have been stellar, but the game succeeded as spectacle. There were a few interesting weapons that were fun to use, even if those occasions when we were allowed to use them were maybe not frequent enough. The world building was good, and even if the whole thing was a bit po-faced, the idea of Victorian Knights of the Round Table fighting werewolves is a really good one. Another criticism was the prevalence of QTEs, but I don't actually mind them at all. All you have to do is press the buttons at the right time, and they're not particularly challenging, but they do allow for some very cinematic moments. It's like someone took the best parts of a game like Dragon's Lair and dropped them into a game that was actually fun. I know every positive I've given has basically come with some form of caveat, but I can live with that. There are many games that I adore that I know have terrible moments or mechanics like Nier and Dragon's Dogma, Spring the Mine, but I love them despite those things. And you know what? I would happily have paid full whack for the order if I'd known how fun it was going to be. Shame we are unlikely to ever get a sequel that fixes the myriad problems and produces a true classic. Well, we're getting a sequel to Nier, so maybe there's hope for Dragon's Dogma and the order yet. We've got a friend who actually works on the Japanese localization for this. Huh. Really? And when we did, um, I mean, she wrote the Japanese script for it, but um, when we were, when I was watching this, you know how you can change your language settings on the PlayStation and you sure. can watch yeah. in different languages mm-hmm. so you can see what I watched. We watched a lot of the Japanese version of this game being played. And mm. it is amazing how well it works in Japanese <laughs> as well. It's like, it just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was, I is like, I, I, I don't speak Japanese. Obviously, Kai does. And she was right, yeah. quite impressed with the, the voice acting quality and stuff as well. Mm. And I've said that we're going to pick up that game the next time we're out there. We're, I'm going to grab a, like, a, a, probably a cheap secondhand copy of it or whatever. But I didn't realize <laughs> it was 1500 yen. I'm probably, you know, in <laughs> Yeah. But it was like, yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for all the correspondence. It's fantastic, as per usual. Um, just before the show, we always love to put out um, a call for free word reviews. It's just your way of interacting with the show. Just nice. And if you're not you know, wanting to put a big, long forum post to get those points across, sometimes it's just nice to, to sum up your feelings in just three words. So, Jay, take us away. Louis Phil would play another. Adam Capone, Big Black Borders. Justin Howard, no thank you. Sid, beautiful but vacant. Peter Cleaves, Cockney Camelot Capers. <laughs> Sam Tick, waste of time. Aw. Craig McAdam, gorgeous but dull. David Rush, short, not sweet. Luke Cage, H4H, short night's tale. Connor Hawks, amazing lightning gun. Cartridge Bros. Deserves a sequel. Craigie28. Gorgeous, but limited. Kenny Young. Cutscene for ladders. Andrew Brown. Such wasted potential. Alan Wilkinson. Pretty forgettable adventure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I ain't swearing. There we you, go. You can, yeah. That's it. Mike Dyer, realistically flappy dongs. What are you, 12, Tony? <laughs> Don't laugh while you're saying dongs, mate. What the hell? <laughs> Chris Eason, enjoyable Victorian fantasy. And Neil Harmon, very abrupt ending. 
And on to our summary. You okay, Tony? Uh, still laughing. <laughs> oh, he says dongs once on a podcast. Yeah. And it's dongs all and giggles, isn't he? I didn't even mention the dongs. We didn't uh, know there. In my mind, I was referring back to that scene and it's just like, yep, uh, man dong. You might want to, actually, um, I'll tell you who hasn't seen the dongs, uh, Genuine Bragg, because it's actually, that sequence is cut from the Japanese really? version. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Well, they, they balance it out with boobs, so it's okay for people. <laughs> no, they don't. They no, not? they don't. No, uh, on that sequence is actually redone. So she's wearing a top huh. uh, okay. in that, and yeah, there's no, no, no breasts, no f- genuinely hmm. flappy donks. So it's like, <laughs> I, I suppose uh, that we should mention what we're talking about is there is a sequence where you're actually in a brothel and you walk in on a couple. Uh, <laughs> She's plying her trade, and um, yeah, it turns out uh, that you have to uh, kill the poor naked man as he's trying to run away from you. <laughs> Seems a harsh, fight to death, but hey. So, um, <laughs> it's good you clarified that. People might have thought we were talking about the Lord Chancellor's weapon. You, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you should have left, left it. I mean, it you, a... you're, you're editing. You can cut that if you want. Well, yeah, I might do because the idea is that then may, people might be so kind of fixated on what the hell does that mean that I'm going to go play this game now. It's like we're actually doing Ready at Dawn a favor by teasing. Teasing with dongs. All right. Let's. Uh, well, before three, we drag a review for you. Too far into the class. <laughs> sure. Yeah, before I give myself another hour. Sean, would you like to sum up uh, your experience with the order 1886 for us, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not sure how much I'll just be repeating everything that we've Mm. all kind of already said already, but uh, I do hope that we get a sequel at some point, even if it's not by Ready at Dawn, if it's uh, Sony uh, maybe having little faith in the IP. um, Even though obviously Ready at Dawn would be ideal since it's their idea, but, you know, it's, it's... it's unfortunate the way that the majority of this game kind of plays out. Um, as far as the story goes, I was really interested and I really hope to see a, a finale to it. But if they do come back around, uh, it's going to need something else. It's going to need more gameplay. It's going to need more um, interactivity, especially with the world. Because, man, I, I was so into the world that they put me in that I couldn't. I was really bummed that I couldn't really interact with it outside of the things that they specifically wanted me to interact with. Mm. Like if, if it's just shooting a guy in the face or picking up a newspaper, like that stuff's all well and good, but um, just any kind of more additional interactivity would have been welcome. So um, I, you know, it seems to be everybody who, who picks it up at this point, um, you're going to get it for really cheap and, and that, you know, at least helps your, helps many people's verdict so I, I think i would recommend it but definitely go into it expecting as we've told you mostly just story not too much gameplay uh leah yeah i i agree with a lot of that i think that expectation going into this is going to be huge on how uh how much enjoyment many people get out of this i mean some people aren't going to like it regardless and some people are going to love it regardless but i I think that tempering your expectations for me particularly helped me uh enjoy this game a lot more than i might have otherwise uh i did enjoy the order uh I wouldn't say it's a great game. I think that it has a lot of problems, most of which we've gone over. Uh, But I thought it was worth playing. And I think that if you can find a decent deal on it, which should not be difficult at this point, um, then it's worth giving a shot. It's not a long game. um, And for some people, that might be an issue. But if it's... uh, 
it's it's something that you might devote a weekend to uh, if if you are into the uh, if you're into the concept uh, and, and think that you might like the world. Uh, don't expect everything to be resolved, but um, it. I, I don't regret the time that I spent with it. I I, I did enjoy it, um, despite some things that maybe I would have changed uh, in an ideal world. Yeah, to echo everyone else's points, but um, I feel like Ready at Dawn have spent a long time um, creating their vision, uh, you know, aesthetically to the actual T. But I do feel that they've come up short, um, certainly with the gameplay aspects of, of, of the title. Um, and regrettably, you know, the story, although interesting, just doesn't do anything that we haven't seen before. And it's, you know, a long time in development development just to produce something that feels a bit by the numbers or something that it requires the continuation of the franchise to make us understand what their their vision was and i and i do actually believe that i think you know given this in a sequel or a trilogy that i'd probably a bit almost like the halo series you know come back to those earlier games where they were given time to you know flesh out the stuff and Mm -hmm. go oh i see the stuff they you know implanted in for me to understand but that, you know that's not the reality that we live in and we can only you know judge by what is given in front of us and i think you know the order 1886 is a visual spectacular game but it's just lacking in many other areas saying that i didn't in you know i didn't dislike my time with the game i'm i'm in many respects glad i played it um you know that was primarily down to to jay putting it on the document for to talk about um and, you know and i'm i'm glad i i saw it through to the end but it's you know would i recommend it to people Oh, yeah, if you know, if you you've got a few hours to <laughs> to kill, if you want to see, you know, how far the you know the the PlayStation Four can can push its you know its graphic graphical um, muscles, then then certainly. Um, but you know, I would say there's probably other games right now that you know would deter more of your time. Um, mm. Jay. Well, I'm a fan. I mean, <laughs> unapologetically so as well. And I think you know I. I agree with a lot of what you guys have said, you you know, like it's not going to be for everybody and it's certainly not without its flaws, but I always look at a game and it's about what I can take from it. I'm not, I've taken a lot from this. I I enjoy the story. I even now still enjoy watching the actors perform their Mm -hmm. roles in this thing. Mm -hmm. I like this, the way in which it's delivered. I love what looking at the game and the photo mode still has the pull you know you can still find yourself in that sequence and just sitting there for half an hour trying to get the perfect shot of you blowing somebody apart with the lot uh with the arc lance you know so i i enjoyed it i i like sean kind of hope that we this is not the end of this franchise i think there's definitely life in this there's definitely life in this story um how that is delivered, if we ever do, I have no idea, but I'm kind of on, on board with it, I think, at this point. I think we all I've are, gone on we? I think all four of us would, would play the sequel. I definitely would. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I think Sony should, like, do themselves a favor and put it on, like, PlayStation yeah, Plus, I, I think. Yeah. There may be reasons why it's never... There may be always a reason why games don't sure. appear yeah. on that, but, you know, I think... I'd like this to come on plus just because I think there's a lot of people who will be hesitant to endeavor, but because it's part of that subscription service, they'll, Mm. they'll get it and they'll try it. And I mean, why wouldn't you try it if it came as part of your subscription, you know? And I think 
it's yeah I, i'd like more people to play it and at least experience it good for good or bad reasons you know mm-hmm. they take what they want out of it but i enjoyed it and yeah that's it really <laughs> Excellent. Well, that leads me to say thank you very much, Jay, Sean, and Leah. And next time on issue 256 of Cane and Rinse, James takes us on a journey to the monster's world in Undertale. Thank you.